Hey guys, this is Michaela. And this is Amanda. And this is Crime in the Dark. Welcome! Sorry we've been uh, missing in action for a little bit. We've yeah, had yeah, we've had a lot going on between birthdays, life, vacations. All kinds of stuff. And now we're back! <laughs> oh yay! I know you guys missed us, so here we are. Yeah. <laughs> and I just wanted to do a shout out to Boris for supporting us on... Uh, buy me a coffee. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Our first actual supporter. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So, but what do we really, have today? Well, first of all, that's all we really have to say. I know. I'm like, sorry, we've been gone. <laughs> we don't have a whole lot, but thank you. We're happy to be back. Um, yeah. So let's get into the true crime, right? True crime. Since we haven't been here in a while. Yep. Today we are gonna talk about Dorothea. Helen Gray, or as some, most of you know, Dorothea Punte. Punte. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, this woman only in her 50s pretended to be much older than she already was yeah. to harm her. Sorry, I didn't mean to like jump in our. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's crazy. I know. All the documentaries on her and everything. Same. She's insane. It's crazy how much older she made herself look. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyways, go on. Quinte uh, was actually born Dorothea Helen Gray on January 9th, 1929, in Redlands, California. She was the sixth out of seven children out of a working class family. However, her parents both. Um, were alcoholics. Her father repeatedly threatened to commit suicide in front of his children. Huh. Unfortunately, back in that time, they had not gotten a lot of help for veterans of the war um, like they do now. Yeah. Um, he fought on the front lines of World War One, and was the victim of mustard gas. This is Jesus. Gas that, if you don't know, it's a gas that is a po- this gas is poisonous and was used to expiate expis- Expixi- oh my god, you were passing. What the <laughs> hell? Asphyxiate. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, uh, did you guys miss us? <laughs> we're back. <laughs> Her father died of tuberculosis in 1937. Her mother, who worked as a sex worker, lost custody of her children in 1938 and died in a motorcycle accident by the end of the year. Damn, that's brutal. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Dorothy and her siblings were sent to an orphanage uh, where they were also actually abused. Aw, that's sad. Yeah, I just never had a chance. No. Dorothea's first marriage was at the age of 16 in 1945. Wow. Uh, was a soldier named Fred McFall, who had just returned from the Pacific Theater of World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, they had two children. One was sent to live in Sacramento with family, and the other was sadly a miscarriage. Uh, McFall left her in late of 1948. Okay. In spring of 1948, Gray was arrested for purchasing a woman's accessories using forged checks in Riverside. She pled guilty uh, to two counts of forgery, serving four months in jail and three years of probation. Six months after she was released, she left Riverside. Some kind of stuff only four months of that. Right. And nowadays, it's a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And I think it's a felony charge now. I'm pretty sure it is, depending on how much you know. Yeah, I think it is. Actually. If there's a certain amount of yeah, felony charge. That makes sense. 
1952, Gray married a merchant seaman, Axel Bryn Johnson, in San Francisco. She created a fake persona and called herself Tia Singala Nehardra, okay. a Muslim woman of Egypt and Islam descent. They had a they had a turbulent marriage. Gray took advantage of Johansson's uh, frequent trips to the sea by inviting men to their home and gambling away his money. Damn. Gray was arrested in 1960 for owning and operating a bookkeeping firm as a friend for a brothel in Sacramento. Oh. She was found guilty and was sentenced to 90, 90 days in the Sacramento County Jail. In 1961, Johansson had Gray briefly committed to a DeWitt State Hospital after a binge-drinking, lying, criminal behavior, and suicidal attempts. While their doctors diagnosed her as a pathological liar with an unstable personality. That's scary. To be diagnosed as a pathological liar though that's what i'm saying that's scary like the doctors were like yeah no she she lies she lies a lot (laughs) uh grand johansson divorced in 1966 okay although she continued to use johansson's name for some time following their separation gray assumed the identity of sharon johansson hiding her Delinquent, delinquent behavior by pro, portraying herself as a devoted Christian woman. Mm-hmm. She established her reputation as a caregiver, providing young women with a sanctuary for poverty and abuse without charge. In 1968, uh, Gray married Roberto Jose Punte. After six months, the couple separated and Gray's citing uh with grace citing domestic abuse in 1967 she attempted to serve him with a divorce petition but punte had fled to mexico divorce um wouldn't be finalized until 1973 damn two yeah that's a lot of time a long time <laughs> the two would continue to have turbulent relations a relationship and gray filed a restraining order in 1975 Gray would continue to use the surname Punte for more than 20 years. Wow. To have a toxic relationship, but keep using their name is I mean, intense. Did you not? I mean, I expected her to do it <laughs> with that kind of, with her MO already of being like, I'm just going to keep the last name. Like, I don't know. There's so much more in this, though. I know. She's crazy. She eventually opened an unlicensed boarding house that she operated throughout the 70s, catering to disabled, elderly, and homeless people. She was scared, uh, secretly stealing their benefit checks, although though and was convicted in 1978 and placed in a five-year on a five-year probation with outlet reports reported. Punte was undaunted though. She said about creating more matronly image mm-hmm. with her clothing and makeup. She got herself a little perm and made herself oh, look old. Added years to her age and became an in-home caretaker. Mm-hmm. She then drugged uh, 
three elderly female patients and stole their money and valuables, a scam that landed her in prison in 1982 for five years. Holy shit. For drugging and stealing. Yeah. Only three years. Only five years. That's it. That's all, folks. She was released in early ninth in the early 1990s, but not before she was in the state psychiatrist's evaluation for her and uh, diagnosed her with schizophrenia. Huh, that's intense for me. I was like, okay, you're a pathological liar. With schizophrenia. With schizophrenia. Yeah, that's that's a that's interesting combo. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wonder if it's because of the schizophrenia that she's a pathological liar. They just didn't know back in how the- to diagnose her back then. Yep, that's a possibility because I was in the 90s. She was diagnosed with schizophrenia and was diagnosed as a pathological liar in the 19, early 1960s. Yeah, so. So that's a pretty big gap. That's what, 30 years? Mm-hmm. So. Definitely. Uh, Gray then, oh, oh, wait. Yeah, no, then Gray then opened a boarding house located at 21st and F Street uh, in Sacramento. She established herself as a genuine resource to the community to aid alcoholics, homeless people, and mentally ill people by holding alcoholic anonymous meetings Mm -hmm. and assisting individuals to sign up to receive social security benefits. She changed her public image to that of a respectable older Matron by putting on a vintage clothing, wearing large grainy glasses, and letting her hair turn gray. She also established herself as a respected member of Sacramento's Hispanic community, funding charities, scholarships, and radio programs. By the way, that was money from all these people she was stealing. I know. That's how she ended up doing that. Mm -hmm. She eventually met and married... Pedro Angel Montel- Montelvo. The Montelvo uh, abruptly left her, left the relationship a week after their marriage. <laughs> He's like, you know, this doesn't feel right. You've got cold feet. <laughs> right? Uh, I seem older than you really are to me. I don't know. No, thanks. Yep. Pull <laughs> off. The boarding house would be the downfall of Dorothea. Where she would eventually get the name, would get the name Death House Landlady. Okay. There's actually, I think in here I put all of her names. Mm, lovely. They got, they, yeah, yeah. They, she got a few. Oh, yeah. No, she was oh. definitely a con artist. Oh, yeah. With a deadly side. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so now we're going to go into the deaths of her poor victims. Yeah. First victim may not have been one of the boarding house, um, through the boarding house. Um, her business partner, a 61-year-old woman named Ruth Monroe, mm-hmm. died suddenly in 1982, shortly after Punte was arrested for drugging her three elderly patients. Monroe had just moved in with Punte when she died of an overdose, but the coroner couldn't determine if it was homicide or suicide. The family actually strongly will forever. Like, yeah. I think she was actually um, charged with her murder. Eventually she was, yeah. But constantly throughout the whole thing, knew right away mm-hmm. she was a murderer. Hell yeah, they did. It wasn't um, suicide. Everson Gilmouth is believed to be her next victim. He and Punte struck up a pen pal relationship while she was in prison, and he fell in love. After- so sad. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, God. It's like, that's my boo. After she was released, he moved in with her. The marriage never happened, though. In 1986, his body was found in a coffin in the Sacramento River. Oh. She said, I'm going to kill you. Right? I thought that was intense because this was in the documentary that I watched. Mm -hmm. That's all I ever do. <laughs> and that was intense for to hear that. Oh, yeah, they just ended the family when I was talking. And they're like, yeah, his body was found in a coffin in the Sacramento River. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Mm. That's sad. After Punta opened up her boarding house at 1426 F Street, a striking uh, a string of people died there. By the way, this house is still standing and still there to this day because it is a historical uh, landmark mm -hmm. because of when it was built, not because of what happened there. Yeah. So they could never actually demolish this house. That's crazy. So I was like, I think I know exactly where it, mm -hmm. it's at in Sacramento, too. If we're ever down there, we'll have to drive by. But that's what was crazy to me because in the documentary, they said that because most of the time they... They do tear these places down because of what the horrors that people do. And if they body the bo the bodies in the back, you bury the bodies in the backyard, they typically want to tear it down because no one's going to live there. Because the real estate agent has to tell them. The hauntings in that place are probably crazy. Right? Well, because of the historical landmark, they can never tear it down. I know, it. that's what I'm saying. I'm like, what is it now? Did they... I don't. I didn't do the research on it because I don't know if they've actually like sold it to something or if it's just there. I don't know. So I need to figure. That's that interesting. Out. I wonder. Um, Pinte would uh, who took in people who were older, disabled, and otherwise ailing would steal their social security benefits, checks, and uh, poison them by lacing their food with prescription medication. Prosecutors would later um. Alleged that she pulled in over 87000 from her scam and then spent some of the cash in a facelift. Damn. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. The boarders who were found dead on her property included Dorothea Miller, a 64-year-old war veteran who died in October of 1987. Benjamin Think. A 55-year-old alcoholic who died in April of 1988. Leona Carpenter, a very ill widow who died in 1987. Brett Montoya, Bert Montoya, a man who was in, intellectually disabled, um, who died in 1988, who in the documentary seemed like such a sweet man. Oh, uh, so sorry. Um, so real brief, if you would like to know what happened to the house, according to Oxygen in 2011, it was sold at public auction the same year that she died in jail um, at the age of 82. It was bought by Tom Williams and Barbara Holmes for 215000 and the couple had full knowledge of the house's history. Barbara said, I thought we could put a fresh coat of paint on and make people forget. Um, they said, however, thanks to its infamous past, Punta's former home is a popular site on ghost and crime tours in Sacramento. And as the Netflix documentary says, the house was built in 1890, so it was viewed as a historical building, like you had said, and can't be demolished and will stand forever. And my source on this is HITC.com. Huh. So. So someone did yeah. decide to buy it. So, but apparently you can tour it. Oh, dang. Yeah. So that's interesting. We might have to look into that. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we just gave each other. Like, right? 
another one was Betty Palmer, 78. Jan was a gala at the 65 of various, um, with various health illnesses. And Vera Faye Martin. I yeah. Four. I remember that one too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's so sad. It was the main reason she was uh, caught. Caught mm-hmm. because of the social worker. Yep. It was actually Montoya's disappearance that led to Punte's downfall. An outreach social uh, counselor with the Volunteers of America had placed him in Punte's boarding house. She had heard amazing things about her care. However, she was alarmed to learn that learned he had seemingly vanished in October of 1988. Punte offered up a various of stories, including that Montoya had gone down to Mexico before the counselor filed a missing persons report. An officer visited the home and spoke to Punte as well as tenants while in Punte's presence. Uh, the tenants backed Punte up, but then slipped a cop a note saying that Punte was forcing him to lie. Mm-hmm. The tenant eventually told the police officer, um, police, oh, the, uh, that told police Punte hired <laughs> prisoners on furlough to dig holes in her yard and fill some of the holes with concrete and also alerted them to another boarder who had mysteriously vanished. It wasn't the first tip uh, authorities had gotten about Punte either. Months earlier, they had been told that Punte was killing and burying her tenants, but they dismissed the claim because uh, the informant had been a heroin addict. Jesus. Yep. Well, now That's, look at it. Right? Seriously. This could have been stopped a while ago. Right? If uh, only. Police returned to search the home and check out the yard on November 11th of 1988. After they started digging, they found a human leg bone and a, discom- a decomposing foot. Quinte was brought in for questioning and denied having anything to do with the body in the yard. She eventually was let go, although the next day investors converged on the home to continue searching the backyard. Pute had then asked a permission to meet her nephew for tea at a nearby hotel, claiming her nerves were getting to her the best of her. They agreed to let her go. I can't believe that. I remember that and like in her little red coat and everything, just yes. dull on the street. Like it was nothing. I I watched it in the documentary too, and I'm like, what are you doing? Is her what are you doing? Stop that lady right now. <laughs> I'm like, get her. Get her. She did it all. Seriously. Like, how did you not know? Why she has got to be a suspect. She had dead bodies in her backyard. You found them, and you still were like, "Oh no, it's, it's fine. It's okay. She needs tea. Go get your tea with your nephew." Oh it's my okay. god, it's so it's ridiculous! Okay. <laughs> and you're saying you're like, "What the fuck is wrong?" <laughs> Shortly after they found the second body, it was too late for them to arrest Punte though, because she had vanished. Yeah, the fuck she did. She's like. <laughs> Adios, muchachos. I'm out of here. This was a mistake on the police's part. Yeah. No shit, because they're like, it's okay, honey. It's fine. Second body pops up, and you're like, well, shit. We just let her go get tea. Mm-hmm. And then you go find her, and that's like, well, shit. She lied to us. Yeah. Well, if you looked at her past history. You'd know. Pathological liar. Yeah. Schizophrenic. Still Dorothea Gray. Well, hmm. 
Because she had she had changed her name so many times. I wonder if it was hard to find out that history. Oh, maybe. That's very true. Maybe. Maybe that was difficult. But still. But you still found two bodies in her back heart. Her heart well, you found, what was it? A leg, a human leg and a decomposing foot. And you would think to at least keep her close by and not, like, let her go get tea with her nephew. Like, what is wrong with you? Oh, my God. What is wrong with you? (laughs) Well, a manhood ensued for the 59-year-old woman. And she was eventually found four days later at a California motel. Four days. Four days. She changed her appearance, I'm sure. She wasn't the little old lady that they all thought she was. The funny thing is, she had been drinking at the bar with a man who she thought she could, who thought she was acting oddly. Mm. Later realized that she was Punte, Mm -hmm. a wanted woman. He alerted police to her presence and she was arrested. Punte had become interested in him after learning that he had received disability checks. Mm, she's like, hey, look, I'm out of people. I need more money. You have it. Right? And he's like, you seem odd. Mm-hmm. He's like, bitch, get off my money. You're wanted. Yep. <laughs> now we are going to talk about the trial. But first in total, seven bodies were found in Punte's yard. Jesus. Seven. And she was put on trial in 1930, 1993, 1930, wow. <laughs> 1993 for nine murders. Mm. She denied killing anyone. Of course she did. She didn't she didn't do like, it. I didn't do anything. None of it was mine. No, nobody did it. The charges against her were largely circus, largely circumstantial. There was, uh, there was her criminal past, of course. Of course. The corpses at her home. Uh-huh. All the tenants... Um, had died from a cocktail of drugs, including a sedative dal- dalmain. Dalmain? Dalmain. Dal- dalmain. Uh, yeah, let's go with that. Sure. Which Punte <laughs> obtained um, dozens of prescriptions for, claiming it helped her border sleep. Mm. So it's a sleeping sedative. Which cool. Any drug that is... A downer can kill you. Yeah, if you take enough of it. Well, yeah. It was uh, difficult to determine, though, whether she had poisoned the tenants or they'd taken a fatal dose themselves. Jeez. Ultimately, Punte was convicted of just three murders and a life sentence in prison. Three out of nine. Yeah, that's, it's shitty that not all of the victims got their justice, but it is... She's in prison for life. Yeah, or she was. She died. Uh, but yeah, was. She died in 2011. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Punta um, was only convicted of three. Her time in prison was spent visiting the prison chapel, reading John Gr- uh, Grisham books, and watching TV. Okay. He's that... a high school freaking murder writer. Oh, God. Well, that kills me, though, is that she's living it up in... She, well, she was living it up in prison. Just going to the chapel, reading books, watching TV... Right? Like, uh, bitch, you murdered nine people. Right? She even wrote a cookbook behind bars. Okay, yeah. Being with a serial killer. No. No. What no. That's too far. Please tell me somebody stopped her from modernizing on that. I don't know. No, no. That's like, that's crazy. 
Um, Puente eventually died of natural causes at the age of 82 in 2011. She maintained her innocence until her death. I bet she did. Um, the story of the corpse killer, the boarding house killer, death house um, landlady, or as we all know her as Dorothea Gray or Dorothea Punte. She may have looked like your sweet old granny, but she was a psychopathic serial killer. Jesus. Yep. So I don't know if she's getting money for it or was getting money for it, but it is $10 on Amazon. Oh, so it is a... Yeah. Cooking with a serial killer recipes from Dorothea Punte. Mm. And it is in stock. Oh, look at the front cover. Oh, it's by Shane Bugby. So maybe not. It might not be because the author is Shane Bugby. Hmm. So it may not have anything to do with her. But that's still interesting. I and, wonder if okay. she couldn't actually like... Let me this. I'm just going to read this little little snippet here. Grandmotherly Dorothy Apunte is becoming as renowned for her cooking as for being a notorious mass murderer, serial killer, and all-around psycho. The Dorothy Apunte has been accused of a lot of things. Being a bad cook isn't one of them. Oh, yeah. I kind of want this book. <laughs> but I don't want to support her. Oh, my God. Okay. None of them were murdered. They died of natural causes. I couldn't do that anyhow. I'm not that type of person. I am too caring, and I wor- uh, worry too much about people eating. Everybody can tell you that. Why would I spend money fattening them up if I was going to kill them? Is apparently what she said. <laughs> I just read that, too. Oh, oh my God. My, what? Oh, my God. What? That's insane. Oh, my gosh. There's also a book called The Bone Garden about her. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think we have some reading to do. Oh, my Atlanta. But, all right. That was... <laughs> that was the story of Dorothea Punte. Punte? Punte. Punte. We're, we've probably chopped it a thousand and one times. Sorry. As usual. <laughs> Cue the coughing. Right. Would it be an episode without us coughing? I don't know. I am <laughs> definitely, like, to you know, do look up the extras about, like, the house and her stupid... Maybe we can do some, like, fun facts or something, like, on the Instagram when we post, like, we do with the photo. Yeah. Maybe, like, photo number one, here's her cookbook, number two, like, that kind of stuff. That victims and stuff. But, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, guys, thank you for joining us as usual. You know where to find us by now. If you don't, I mean, what's wrong with you? Just look up Crime in the Dark and we will pop up at this point. Yep. We sure will. You can even find us on Google. What's good? Anyways. Support us on Buy Me a Coffee or Patreon. Yep. Once we get some more supporters there, we can maybe start doing some bonus content that's exclusive for those. And in the meantime, keep it creepy and check out our Etsy. Oh, yes. Our Etsy. Don't forget about the Etsy. We have some really cool stuff up there, you guys. And I'll be redoing things here soon in the next, I think, month. Yeah. So we'll have some new items. You'll have to check it out and... Get on there. Maybe we'll do a giveaway or something if you're lucky. If we get to enough listeners, enough downloads, yep. we'll do something fun. I don't know. Hit, I would say once we hit a thousand downloads, we're almost, we'll, we'll get there soon. Perfect. All right, guys. We'll, we'll be back. We will be back next week with another another episode. Jesus. On that note, <laughs> have a good night, fuckers. <laughs> Keep it creepy. <laughs> Bye. Let me shoot. <laughs>